Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's your turn to cause trouble. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. We'll get back to your calls in a little bit. Salakata back on the fan going till 5 a.m., so two hours to go here. As we welcome in basketball Jones, Sonny Carton. Sonny, I don't remember the last time. Did I have you on last year? This has become like a yearly thing where we went around the NBA a little bit. You are Mr. Basketball, Basketball Jones. You could educate me and the listeners on the NBA. Last year, right, we had you on to talk about some hoops? Yeah, it must have been about 10 months ago, something like that for sure. Yeah, do you, what do you know, the exact date? 10 months ago? I'm saying about a year. Oh, yeah, 10 months ago. By the way, have you done any shows? What's going on? you have any holiday shows coming up here, hosting some shows on the fan? I don't know. Uh, to be decided in regards to the fan, but I've been doing a Knicks postgame show uh, every week except for this week because I've been dealing with a lot of school stuff, but I've been trying to get some more content out there. Don't let school get in the way of a good Knicks podcast. What are you on, Twitter spaces and things like that? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing, actually. Twitter spaces over with my guys at U Stadium and just uh, trying to be consistent, trying to do post games, tell the people what's up. Love it. And your love for basketball is unmatched. That's why you called Basketball Jones. That's why I wanted to have you on. All right, let's start with the Knicks. So we were texting a little bit or, uh, you know, DMing a little bit about the Knicks. And I was reading some of the tweets that you, you know, put out there about the Knicks not having any identity and things like that. And obviously they've been, you know, uh, average at best. But these last two nights, they played pretty well. Overall, what's your assessment so far on your New York Knicks through the first 15 games? Right now, to me, the Knicks are a classic example of a 500 team. They're going to beat the teams that they're better than, and they're going to lose to the teams that they're worse than. And it sounds simple saying that, but that's just what the case is with this team. Now, around the league, I like to refer to some guys as elevators. And the best teams in the NBA have multiple guys on the team that are elevator-type guys. They elevate the guys around them. And any given night, they're going to come in and make it harder to beat them. The only guy I see on this Knicks team that can do that, at least semi-consistently, is Jalen Brunson. Because to me, he's the only guy who I'd even consider elite at his position. Everyone else on the Knicks, you don't know what you're getting that night. Tonight, Julius was awesome. Over 30 points scored. He had a great game tonight. But then you have nights like a few nights ago against the Thunder where he absolutely comes up unprepared. So from the standpoint of that, I think it's really troubling, and the Knicks are going to have to figure out how to get more guys to show up consistently. That being said, they are a 500-team meeting. Like I said, they do beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Coming into a game tonight against Denver with no Jokic, no Aaron Gordon, you're supposed to win this matchup, and that's what they did, which they really escaped because uh, or Jamal Murray had a chance to tie the game there at the end, and he missed the three. So I was on the edge of my seat there, but 
the, the Knicks team, it's really confusing how some of the rotations have gone, and I'm not really sure I'm liking Tibbs so far. Well, what don't you like about Tibbs? I mean, we saw his first year. It was, oh, my God, how great has Tibbs been? The defense, they play hard. They don't have a consistent effort, sure. Last year was a disappointing year. I mean, I look at it and say, I don't know how I could blame Tibbs necessarily. I don't know if he's the answer or if the game has passed him by or just evolved to a point where you need a new coach. What don't you like about Tibbs? Well, to me, the biggest struggle so far for this Knicks team has been consistent defensive effort. And the one guy who I understand he was injured at the beginning of the season, but I can't understand for the life of me why Quentin Grimes has been left out of this rotation. He's a guy that at least on paper gives you some of the best three-point shooting on the team and is the best point-of-attack defender that we have outside of Cam Reddish and an RJ Barrett who's really struggled this year on the defensive side of things. So to me, I don't understand why when you have a guy who can fill both of those needs that I just mentioned on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the ball, I don't understand why he hasn't been, been given more of a position to show his talents and show his skill especially when coming off the rumors in the offseason that he was one of the main things that halted a potential trade package for Donovan Mitchell out there because we didn't want to include Quentin Grimes. So to me, it's kind of in a situation where if you're going to commit to the young players, play them, and if you're going to try to win games, then go out, go out and trade those guys to get me established stars who I know can win games. Well, who would you, because I like the idea of the shortened rotation, and it's worked at least for two games here. And I'm with you on Grimes, right? I want to see what he could do. If he's a guy with high potential, look, the Knicks can't shoot. So we could get into that specifically in RJ and all that stuff as we go on here, but they need more shooting. Grimes, to your point, can be a guy who could provide more shooting. Oh, and by the way, some defense. But if you're going to keep a short rotation, who whose minutes is Grimes going to take from the Knicks right now? You know, that's a great question, and I'm looking at it here to try to see the minute distribution. I, I think it's going to have to be more of a thing where he doesn't necessarily take one guy's spot, but some minutes just get bumped down. I mean, so far, the minutes rotation, it's been really spread out. RJ's leading the team minutes at 34. Mm-hmm. So I can't necessarily point to one guy and say that's whose minutes he should take. But but I think as, as Derek Rose starts to get used more and more, he's you know he's going to be in the second lineup. And I think Fournier, who's played 20 minutes a game so far, I mean, he has to be out of the rotation. Now, I understand how the NBA works better than a lot of people in regards to the cap situation, and the guys you're paying money have to be on the floor, especially a guy like Evan Fournier, who, in my eyes, the best-case scenario would be trying to up his trade value and get him out of here at the deadline to try to put him on a contender to see if we could get some assets for him. But to answer your question, it's not necessarily about one guy taking out and placing his minutes, but it's figuring out a consistent group of lineups that we're going to trust to be able to close. Right. Or if the start, or as we saw all of last year, we had one of the worst starting fives, I think the worst starting five in the NBA, and what kept us in games was our second unit. So I think it's less important to figure out which guy's going to be replaced and to figure out what cohort or what kind of platoon of guys you're going to be able to sub in. You've seen it a lot with Quickly and Toppin, who Toppin's been our best shooter so far this year. That's been a surprise. Which is so, sad. I mean, Toppin, is just, he's not a three-point shooter, so I don't care what he did at college. He's not a good three-point shooter. He may be better exactly. since he got here, but he's not a good three-point shooter. Well, I agree. That's the saddest part because, to your point, I mean, he didn't come into the league shooting 42% from three like he's doing this year, so there's no excuse for why he should have been the only guy to take a jump while everyone else is pretty stagnant. I mean, literally, I'm looking, there's no one on the Knicks shooting above 35% from three except for Ovi Toppin and Steve McKaylee, who literally has taken one shot on the season. So you watch, and look, I, you know, I'm not, we don't need specifics where I was asking you know, whose minutes he's going to take, but I guess my point was they're shortening the rotation 
for a reason, right? They want to keep a smooth rotation. I look at Derrick Rose, and I know he's a backup point guard, and obviously Grimes is going to be a two-guard. So then is it either or quickly or Grimes? Maybe they look to move Emmanuel quickly, and then Grimes can slide in and take those minutes. I guess that's kind of why I was bringing that up to you. But, Sonny, you watch. We're talking with Sonny Carton, Basketball Jones. You watch a lot of NBA in a in an era where it's all about shooting and all about the three-pointer, I mean, how are the Knicks supposed to compete where they don't have any shooters on their team? They're not, and you're seeing the issue not just with the Knicks, but around the league. Every single team, the best team in the league right now, across the board are the teams that are knocking down shots. And you have a team out there like the Utah Jazz who on paper have no established stars outside of Larry Markin who's taken a huge jump this year. But that being said, every single guy on that team is an above-average NBA player, and they're knocking down shots because they're moving the ball and they're hitting open threes. So I love that you make that point because I tried to bring that up after every single Knicks game. I look at the the shots that they made and whether they went in or not. And in the NBA, more than ever, it's a make-or-miss league, and you're 100% right. When you can't shoot the ball, it doesn't matter what else you do. It doesn't matter how many turnovers you limit. It doesn't matter how many fast break points you have. It doesn't matter how well you did on the on the offensive or defensive glass. If you can't shoot the ball in today's league, you're going to have a real tough time beating even the worst teams. Because nowadays, it's all about the three ball. And you're seeing this problem in Brooklyn a little bit too, which is honestly even more surprising because on paper, they had some shooters. But you're in a position where you can't rely on one guy anymore. It just it doesn't work. You saw tonight in Golden State, Steph dropped 50 points, and they lost by 10 to the Suns because the rest of the team couldn't hit shots. Clay was like 5 of 16, Jordan Poole 0 of 5. If you can't have consistent guys to step up and hit threes, you're not going to be successful. Knicks will be playing the Warriors Friday night in Golden State. Look, you or uh, in San Francisco where they move now. Um, you look at this team. Now, you mentioned they don't have the shooters, right? And we talk about the offense in today's game. You mentioned you don't like Tibbs because of the rotation. Is Tibbs a problem as far as the offensive scheme goes? Ball movement, shoot the three, whatever it may be. Is he more of an old-school defensive guy? I know he's going to say he could evolve and he could coach offense too. What do you think as far as the X's and O's from Tibbs? Is he Could he be the guy, or do they definitely need to change there as far as maybe opening it up offensively? Well, in my opinion, I think they should open it up offensively either way. I Personally, I think they should bring in a new coach. That being said, I don't think it has been on Tibbs so far this season, specifically with the X's and O's. I think he's made fine adjustments so far. I think he, he started off the season slower, but I think in these past few games he's been better. To me, it really falls more on Leon Rosa and the disconnect that seems to be stemming from uh, Thibodeau and the front office. Because when I look at this roster, you talk about, back to your question earlier, about who I would replace or how – with the limited um, rotation, what guys are going to see more play. It, it's a real problem that we have right now because we're trying to get our guy Obi Toppin, who's the best shooter on our team, on the floor. But the guy who he would take his spot is Julius Randle, who right. we have a lot of money going to. And you see a similar thing going on with Emmanuel Quickly right now where you remember those last 15 games at the end of the season when it was just Quickly and Toppin running the show. Quickly really looked like he could have developed into our point guard in those last few games. Yeah, I but checked out that at that point. In, I was out exactly. at that point. It stunk. Well, but now that you bring in Brunson, it, it literally it it narrows the amount of improvement that quickly is able to show because his spot is now taken by someone that we've committed money to. So I don't think it's as much on Tibbs as it would be on the disconnect between the front office. 
of signing guys like Hartenstein, Mitchell Robinson, Brunson to these contracts, while at the same time we're trying to develop our draft picks that we've never been able to develop in my lifetime. Right, they're kind of in no man's land. They have some talent to win now to potentially be a 500 team, but they also need to develop the young talent to see if you could have a potential all-star or two. I mean, how do we know? Maybe Grimes could be an all-star, which, by the way, that's what they need. I look at this team, Sonny, and I've been saying this for a while. I'm curious to get your take on this. You mentioned it before where they have a bunch of guys who are up and down. Randall, when he plays like he did last night, they could be very good. But unfortunately, can't do that consistently. I agree with you that Brunson's the one guy who, whether you look at him as a, a number one or number two, a legit number three, whatever, he's at least consistent and productive. R.J. Barrett, inconsistent. And if not inconsistent, flat out bad, he can't shoot. I look at the Knicks and say their biggest problem is Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett. Um, I, I, I have a hard time saying that because they're two of our best players. But at the same time, I, I don't think you're wrong in saying that it's a problem when you try to construct a winning roster around two players that have never really showed you outside of one good year from Julius and one year from R.J. when there were no fans in the crowd that they can be those guys. So once again, is it on them for getting paid? Absolutely not. Right. It's on the front office, and it's on us for giving them that role and giving them that responsibility to carry the team. Now, do I think they'll never turn into those players? I think RJ is a better shot because Julius is already well-established in the league by now, even though RJ is no rookie anymore either. So I don't think those two are the biggest problem with this team per se, but I think when you look at the roles they're being asked to do, because like I said earlier, you can only do what you're asked to do in the NBA. So when you get paid a certain contract, certain expectations come with that contract, obviously. And that's what I see is happening from Julius and RJ right now, where it's not their fault that they got paid. But especially when you're playing in New York, you can't just get paid and go out with stinkers like this every night. You have to show up every single night once you get that contract. And you have to show that you're built to play in New York. And especially when you get the type of money that RJ and Julius have gotten and you get the quote-unquote keys to the city that they've gotten, you have to show up every night. So is it their fault? No, but they are certainly the problem. Sorry, we're talking with Sonny Carton. Basketball Jones, of course, going around the NBA. We'll do Knicks. I'll get into the Nets in a little bit, and then just your thoughts a a little around the league. Give me last one on the Knicks here. Where do you think the Knicks end up? I mean, I don't know what they're going to do trade-wise or whatever. You can give me your thoughts on that, too, how you think it plays out, where the Knicks go for it. Do they start trading some players and you know try to rebuild again for next year or strip it down a little bit? Where do you think, though, the Knicks end up end of the year Eastern Conference? Um, The fan in me right now says we'll end up right around that 7-8 seed where we are today. I think there's some teams below us that'll creep up. I think the Heat, they're not going to be as bad as they are. The Sixers are obviously not going to finish below us. But when you look at the NBA so far this season, it's very eerily similar similar to how the NFL season started off, where even right now, outside of I mean, outside of the Celtics who are and the Bucks who are kind of running away, the Hawks are nine and six sitting at third. So a good ten, twelve game stretch from the Knicks on on this next upcoming uh trip out west, or even the the homestand after we get back from out west, like if you put a good string of six to seven games together, you're sitting right in the top three seed in the East. So you remember that year with the four seed, it's kind of how things played out also where the Knicks weren't that great of a team. It's just that people around the league, the other teams around the league were very mediocre. So I think if we're staying at 500 right where we are now, I see us in the seven, eight seed spot. And, and I don't think we'll make any major pushes down the line unless it comes for trading the guys like Julius and RJ, which I don't see as a possibility right now. 
Once again, I mentioned that I do think they could look to try to increase Fournier's trade value a little bit to get him out of here. That way we're not just eating up the dead cap space of him sitting on the bench. And I do think if he can show that he can knock down the three, there will be a contender looking out for him. So I guess I'd say right around that 780, but I don't see the Knicks making any major roster changes. I see them trying to play out this season and trying to sneak into the playoffs. One thing I will say is I've never loved the look of Evan Fournier more than him glued to the bench. Keep him there. He does nothing. All right, how about, <laughs> I agree. How about Brooklyn? Can they, and I want to get your thoughts on who's legitimate and who's not in the Eastern Conference, and of course we'll go over the West, but how about Brooklyn? We know the, forget the Kyrie stuff and the off-the-court stuff. Assuming Kyrie comes back at some point soon here, can they, Sonny, finally put it together and be a threat, a legitimate threat in the East with KD and Kyrie and company? On paper, it's almost impossible to say no, but having experienced the Brooklyn Nets over the past three seasons, my gut tells me that they will not be able to put it together because they're not a team like Golden State that's had the benefit of playing with the same guy for 10 years now, where you saw in their championship season, Draymond, Steph, and Clay played one single game together in the regular season in, uh, in that championship year. They don't have the benefit of having those reps with each other. So I don't think they're going to be able to put it together where they're only going to have, what, 30, 40 games together before the playoffs start as a whole unit. I don't see it happening. And Ben Simmons is a shell of himself. So from the Nets standpoint, that quote that came out from KD in, in the article the other day was really striking to me. And I think it, it, it kind of is a microcosm of the whole Nets situation where right now the Nets are just an absolute mess. And it's no mistaking that Joe Sy was put in a very tough position at the beginning of 2019 when Kyrie and Katie came over and all the stuff happened with Corona, all the stuff you said we would have mentioned. That being said, it's hard to argue for anyone that he or any Nets fan expected to end up where we are today when they came in Brooklyn in 2019. So I don't think the Nets have what it takes. I don't think getting rid of Steve Nash really moved the needle for me. I think they're the same team that they were before, and I think they're still way too reliant on Durant. So, once again, on paper, it's almost impossible to make an argument that they won't be able to put it together. But knowing how the NBA works, knowing how chemistry works, knowing how these guys that demand the ball work, I don't see it happening. Right, because you have to figure with that talent alone, even if it's just KD, for argument's sake, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, let's say Kyrie gets her, whatever it may be. They, they, they're going to be a playoff team. And then once they get in the playoffs, assuming they have KD and Kyrie you, I mean, I know me from an outside perspective. I'd be scared that the Nets could go on a run because of those two guys. So I guess as long as they're there in Brooklyn, and who knows how long that's going to last, I would look at them as a threat in the Eastern Conference. And when you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, Sonny, give me the Boston legitimate, Milwaukee legitimate. Beyond that, who are the teams that you could see coming back down to earth and maybe the Nets and Knicks can come up a little bit? Well, it, it's hard to answer that question for me only because there's really no team pulling away. Like, the teams ahead of us are, are pretty down-to-earth as it is right now. I think that – because I think the Hawks will be able to sustain what they're doing. I think the Cavaliers are actually underrated. I, I don't think there's any reason why the Pacers should be better than us. So, And same with the Wizards. So those are two teams ahead of us right now that I think will end up dropping below us. But it, the East is really, really top-heavy and not much outside of that because, listen – my grandpa always tells me, you're only as good as your record says you are. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how good you think you are on paper, how good it seems, if you're sitting here 6-9 and nine like the Chicago Bulls are, you're out of the playoffs right now. If you're 6-9 and nine like the Nets are, you're out of the playoffs. So obviously there are other circumstances at play, but I really truly think that this is a season where, once again, the Knicks are going to have a chance, and all these teams in the East that might not be considered contenders 
are going to have a chance to make a run and get in playoffs. What's Philadelphia's issue? I expected them to be a lot better. And look, I know it's only 14, 15 games, whatever it may be here, but you're the basketball expert. That's why we're having you on, Basketball Jones. Educate us. What's Philadelphia's issue here? Philadelphia's an interesting one because they kind of have a pretty similar team that they've had for the past few years. You bring in a big signing like P.J. Tucker. A lot of people thought they gave him too much money. He's disappointed throughout the season. Right now, the biggest thing for them is the role playing off the bench because you know what Embiid's going to give you every night. Harden's been pretty good for all things considered. Maxie's incredible, future star. Right now, the biggest problem with the Sixers is that they've had a really tough time getting that consistent support off the bench. And it's going to be a problem for them because when you try to bring in new guys like DeAnthony Melton, you try to get a guy like Georges Miang to keep hitting threes, when those guys can't come in and carry the unit, it's really a problem. And you're seeing it all around the league with some of these teams that tried to go really top-heavy with the Stars like the Sixers did. They have a lot of money going to the three guys of Embiid, Maxie, and Harden. When you're in that situation, and Tobias Harris, for what it's worth, he's on one of the biggest contracts in the league, too. So when those four guys are taking up pretty much 67, 70% of your entire cap space, the rest of the guys that you fill in, they have to be able to hit shots. They have to be consistent. And if they're not, you're going to lose games. So that's the problem with the Sixers so far. They've been, they've been really struggling to find someone to step up in that sixth, seventh-man role. Your knowledge is extremely impressive. Do you know anything about any other sports, Sonny? <laughs> I mean, basketball is definitely my main, but I, I can pre- I can go toe-to-toe in NFL, too. Ooh, I like it. We're talking with Sonny Carton, basketball Jones. All right, let's move over to the Western Conference. Uh, I'm going to say a truth here that I don't know maybe I should admit or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is the first time all year I've actually looked at the Western Conference standings. I was surprised to see the Blazers out to a 10-4 and four start in first place. I've always liked Portland. Love Dame Lillard. Like their uniforms as well. Anyway, give me give me the best teams in the West. You mentioned you know, we saw Denver without uh, Jokic last night, and Denver's pretty good. Phoenix, obviously, uh, a top uh, team in the Western Conference. Utah in there as well. Knicks taking care of the Jazz and the Nuggets back-to-back nights. Those are good, uh, good wins for the Knicks. Anyway, give me the legit teams in the West where everybody thought it was going to be the Warriors, potentially the Lakers. Those two teams are toward the bottom in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think um, as of right now, I wouldn't be too concerned about the Warriors. I mean, the 0-8 road record, which is their worst start to a season in franchise history on the road, is definitely concerning. But, I mean, they've never lost a playoff series when Steph, Clay, and Draymond have played every game. So I'm not worried about them as the playoffs get closer as long as they make it in. But the other top teams, I mean, Phoenix is going to be there. They're legit as always. And I think people are really, really underestimating the New Orleans Pelicans. Because bringing back Zion, it's not as easy to integrate a player like that as you might think. Because a play- So if we're talking about a player like Steph, right, when he goes out, it's so easy to integrate him back in the game because he's going to move off ball. He's going to be able to hit shots on the perimeter. He's going to get others involved. But when you have a guy like Zion Williamson who leads the, doesn't lead the league, but he's at the top of the league in usage rate, he's not a guy that you can just plug him back into the offense and run the same stuff. When he's not on the court, it's a completely different team. So trying to bring back in someone like that who's going to be super ball-dominant, it's really hard. But I think at 9-6 and six so far, they've really impressed me and how they've been able to do that. And C.J. McCollum is really, really playing well, better than I would have expected this late in his career. So I think the Pelicans are a really solid team to look out for because, as I mentioned, the lack of the Knicks, the Pelicans have a legitimate two or three players in Zion, Brandon Ingram, and C.J. McCollum that are going to show up every night and give you tough one-on-one matchups. You... So I really like them. I'm sorry, Sonny, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I was going to say I really like Memphis because when John Morant is on the court, he's one of the most special players I've ever seen. His, his dynamic ability to finish at the rim, to get others involved. And the thing I love about Memphis is 
Ja has no problem sharing the spotlight. That might sound counterintuitive because you see him on social media doing all these dance moves, but he's the <laughs> happiest guy in the world if Desmond Bain scores 30, hits eight threes. He, he's thrilled when his teammates succeed. So that's why I'm really scared of the Memphis Grizzlies. I wish. I, I mean, we all do, but I really wish. I wanted Ja so bad, more than Zion. Can you oh imagine? Oh, my God, imagine. But no, think I about the big look. I mean, Sonny, that's the bad luck that this crappy team that you and I root for has had for 20 years. The idea you know, that they're one pick away, they were supposed to have the number one pick. They fall to three. You couldn't fall to number two and get Ja? Oh. You know what my, my least favorite take is out there, Sal? My least favorite take is, oh, if the Knicks would have drafted Halliburton instead of Obi Toppin, you think he'd be as good as he is now? Oh, if the Knicks would have drafted Ja, you think as good as he is now? Of course he'd be as good as he is. Maybe not the same team success. But if Ja was on the Knicks, he'd be putting up 30 and 40 bombs the same way. He'd be dunking on people at the Garden. He'd be the number one most he'd be the number one most sold jersey in the league right now if he was in New York. Dude, there is no. I mean, I don't need you. Don't need to be a basketball expert to know Ja Morant is a superstar stud of a player that is must watch every night. He would have lit this city on fire. We'd be talking Knicks and Ja every single night if you were win or lose. And you're right. Maybe they wouldn't have had the same team success. But there's no denying the excitement that he would have brought. And you know, you just you think back to what actually happened and what could have been. You go from Zion or Ja Morant to RJ. Barrett, and it's a big issue. Do you think, and we'll have a couple more for you here, we're talking with Sonny Carton, Basketball Jones, do you think there's more parity this year in the NBA than in years past? I think there's more parity, but less of because anything about the league has done, and more just about the talent that these players are coming in with. The guys that are fifth and sixth off the bench can hit you with dribble moves that you would have stopped to stare at ten years ago. So I think from that standpoint, the guys that just have more talent to be untapped, it, it makes the league have more parity because as you deal with teams with injuries, guys can step up and show you that they can play basketball at a high level too. So I think there's a lot of teams around the league that have been trying to figure out the perfect balance between load managing their stars and getting the continuity of the lineups. And I think to answer your question, a lot of that has come from the fact that these guys in the second units have so much talent and so much ability to score the basketball and get others involved that it's not as big of a deal when you're missing some of your top-end players because they can still show out. And at the same time, a lot of teams are struggling with health issues so far early in the season. So I think that's a big contribution to why the records look as they do. But I, I just think, I mean, the talent that you see in every single draft now, your team like the Houston Rockets, they're 3-12, and but their games are so entertaining because every guy on their team is fun to watch. Like Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, We'll go toe-to-toe with the best teams in the league, and they'll end up losing, but the talent is there. You know, it's an interesting point, and I love that answer because I'm just looking at the standing saying, well, where's the separation? It Usually you can pick out two or three teams, and that's why even with the East, okay, well, I know the Bucs and Celtics are going to be there. What about everybody else? That's a lot of teams to be jumbled in the everybody else category. You look at the West, it's turned upside down. And look, I expect the Warriors to be good as well. But if the Pelicans, Grizzlies, they can make a run, it's kind of wide open or more so than in years past. And off of that, Sonny, maybe we'll close it with this. What about the Lakers? I mean, it's sad to see LeBron, You know, and not that he's going out, but to have the Lakers down and out like this, what are you seeing that's wrong with the Lakers? And can they get back on track and make a legitimate run in the West? I think this Lakers team was doomed from the start. I think ever since they won that championship and they made some of the most questionable decisions I've ever seen from a front office from the standpoint of 
What won the Lakers the championship? It was the ability to defend the perimeter and to hit three-point shots. And what they did after they won the championship is they let go three key guys that did that for them. They got rid of Kyle Kuzma, who's one of the biggest frames in the league that can play the wing position. They got rid of KCP, and they got rid of Alex Caruso. Three guys that were incredible at defending and playing offense. So now when you put guys around LeBron, Russell Westbrook, and AD that have never proven that they can do either of those things at a high level, you're destined for failure. Like with this Knicks team, we came into the season, we can't shoot the ball, but at least there were some signs there. Like RJ had a 40% three-point shooting season. Evan Fournier historically showed that he can shoot the three. Quickly is a career 36% shooter. Toppin, obviously. The Lakers have no one that proved that they could shoot. Like, Lonnie Walker has never proved that he could hit shots. Russ is shooting the best three-point percentage of his career. AD can't hit threes outside of one good season. So what I'm trying to say is the Lakers, it, it, the Lakers were telling on themselves. If they ever truly believed that they were going to be a competent enough roster to win games in today's NBA, because they're just not talented enough. The, the talent that I just referenced from all the other teams in the league, if I read you the names on the Lakers roster, that's how you might not even know some of the guys. Like, they I don't have know a guy any of these guys. You, you're they right off the I haven't heard it ever in my life before. They have a guy named Matt Ryan who hit a game-tying shot for them. I've heard of him only because, you know, he's like the quarterback, Matt Ryan, who I love. <laughs> of course, but it, it's really fascinating how they've, as I said, took such a steep downhill turn from a championship season. Now, once again, you have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis. You should be able to make the postseason because if you don't, you've now missed the playoffs three out of the last five years coming off a championship, which is pretty unacceptable. Yeah, especially with LeBron. I mean, dude, I got to be honest. You've gotten significantly better from the last time we had you on 10 months ago, a year ago, whatever it may be. Your knowledge truly, when it comes to basketball, second to none. I couldn't thank you enough, Sonny. I appreciate the time. Look, I know it's early. I know you're young and hanging out. You're in Miami, right, at school? Yes, sir. Yeah, so, I mean, look, you you guys ordering pizza or something going on right now? It's like the middle <laughs> of the You're still in the middle of your day here, but I do appreciate it. 3 a.m., I appreciate you taking the time to come on, and you did an excellent job going around the NBA. We'll do it again, maybe before the postseason. Thank you so much. I'd love to. Sonny Carton, Basketball Jones, of course. Look at that. Dude, my head is spinning with some of the names. How the hell is he doing that? That's all I was asking, you know, about anything else, because generally when you have that much information on one sport, hard to have it on the others. Goodness gracious. Eh, rattling off names, this guy, that guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, right. Heard of him? No, 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 never him. Anyway, do look at the league as having a lot more parity than I could recall in years past. And I'll tell you, the thing that's taken me out of it, I used to love the NBA. You heard me say before with Fleegs, I had the NBA league pass when Ewing left to go to Seattle. I loved it because the Knicks were so good every year in the 90s. I love. I lived and died with every possession. I was in to the Knicks. And as a byproduct, whoever they were playing, like each game you get into it, you learn about the opponents and you care about the standings because it matters. With the Knicks not mattering for basically the better part of the last two decades, it's knocked a lot of the care out of me. Two years ago, as fun a season as I can remember. Unfortunately, since then, it's been back to reality. Disappointing reality for what was, was once a proud franchise. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Your official station to talk Yankees. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. is the number to call. Anything you might have missed while you were sleeping, go check out on the free Odyssey app. We had John Schmelk earlier talk, mostly Giants, did a little Knicks with Schmelk too, but talked uh, a lot of Giants, gave some good info on that. And then, of course, Sonny Carton, Basketball Jones, went around the NBA a little bit, but mostly Knicks with Sonny as well. Knicks getting another impressive win last night. And look, I mean, I know we knocked the team, but it is more competitive than we've seen in in recent years. Obviously, the year a couple of years ago where they were number four was a great. Where they, the number four seed in the Eastern Conference was a great year. But it's nice to see them actually winning some of these games that you would think they'd have no chance in Utah. Forget it. At Denver, they've been won there since two thousand six, and then they went on back to back nights. So that is an impressive performance from the Knicks. The problem is, I just don't believe that it is at all sustainable. 877-337-6666. Whatever it is, it's on your mind. We've talked plenty of Mets and Yankees as well. We've done a little Nets. We've done some Jets and Giants. So anything is on the table here on this Thursday morning, whatever's on your mind. Jeffrey's calling from Hackensack. What's up, Jeffrey? Hey, Sal. You know, um, as soon as as Steve Cohen bought the team, he kept talking about we want a consistent winner. We want to win now and consistently down the road. Well, if you want to do that, you better start signing your young stars to extension. I mean, he should be signing Nimmo, McNeil, and Pete right away. I mean, you've already lost Nimmo probably, you know. I don't understand. Oh, you don't if know you that. I mean, they, they, winner, they, they might, but, I mean, what, what are you so caught up about Brandon Nimmo for? What, they can't do better well, than Brandon that- Nimmo? No, I said that I don't like us losing our homegrown stars. They didn't. They didn't lose. I mean, first of all, they didn't lose anybody. They That's not Conforto. They no. They Wheeler. they let Conforto go. Conforto didn't go anywhere because they didn't sign him to an extension. Yeah, because he's not any good. You don't know that. No, he, no, I do know that. Of... They, they he was a free agent last year. What did he do yeah. last year? He didn't even play. 
He ended up well, getting they hurt. Need to, they need and then to you talk about Wheeler. Hold on a players. second. You talk about Wheeler. That was prior ownership. Come on. But, but, he, but he was with that team for six years. It doesn't do count them, because it was before. Why do you before, let walk away? It wasn't Steve Cohen. You realize the difference, right, Jeffrey? Yes. Okay, so then there's no point to talk about letting Wheeler go because but, it was a different ownership. What's the philosophy? I mean, what? They so, didn't have so any the, money. The, they didn't want to pay him. It was a different ownership. Well, then why aren't they signing these guys now? Jeffrey, the the free agency just got underway. But, they but did. they shouldn't hold, wait. Hold on. They shouldn't wait why? for free agency. Why? What do you mean? They should lock them up now. They will. Because now they might lose a guy. Oh, my God. I, I, can't, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. What? First of all, what do you want to bring back? Everybody? No, I said the three young guys, the three young stars, McNeil, Pete. McNeil and Pete are under under contract. They're not going anywhere. The Mets have time if they want to work out a long-term extension. But why don't they lock them down now? They've got other priorities to take care of. That's why. Like who? Who's their priority now? Like two guys that you mentioned, DeGrom and Nimmo, for starters. Well, they they can lock them up easy. No, no, they can't lock him up. Just Jeffrey, I'm sorry. You're getting, me, you're getting me worked up. I appreciate the call. Thank you. You're getting me worked up. I don't want to get worked up this morning. Try not to yell anymore. And I feel like if I continued talking to you, while I do appreciate you taking the time to call, if I continued talking to you, I think I would start to get more aggravated as the call went on. So I'm going to just cut it off there and say thank you, and I appreciate it. And I understand that you're maybe frustrated with the Mets not doing anything just yet. But what I will say is it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Like The free agency just started a week ago today. Actually, less than because it was 5 o'clock a week ago. The Mets already locked up Edwin Diaz, brought back their closer. Now they're kind of waiting on Jacob DeGrom. See, I'm not worked up over Brandon Nimmo like others because I don't care if he leaves. Good for Nimmo if he could get more than $100 million over the course of five years. He's not that type of player in my mind. Now, I know the analytical data nerds, whatever you want to call them, all due respect. The analytics people love Brandon Nimmo. Good for them. If they think he's worth $150 million, go get it. And maybe Scott Boris thinks he is. And you know Scott Boris, usually they take the most money. Go get it. You know what? I'd like to invest then in a center fielder who can actually throw the baseball, who could actually play where he's supposed to play, not play so deep, and come in to catch balls as opposed to just going back on balls. And maybe somebody who could hit with some power and a higher average. There are different ways. You know, even if the Mets moved Marte over, they could figure out and go get a corner outfielder. I'm not worried at all. If the Mets lose Brandon Nimmo, he can be replaced. Maybe not the same exact type player, but a different type player. And as I said, while you were sleeping to start the show, the Mets, as opposed to the Yankees, need more power. You know, the Yankees need more balance in their lineup. The Yankees need a guy like Brandon Nimmo, a guy who's going to work the count, draw walks, put the bat on the ball, hustle player, good character guy. You know, anybody could use a good character guy, but I'm just going over all the attributes that Brandon Nimmo brings. I like Brandon Nimmo. I don't like him at 120, 150 million. I draw the line at five years, 105 million. Give him a little more than 20 million a year. 
That's where I'm drawing the line. Anything more than that? And he's probably going to get more than that. See ya. I'll figure it out elsewhere. Because the Mets have guys that can draw walks and get on base and hit for high average, which Nimmo, by the way, doesn't even do. But McNeil's a guy. See, you can't have too many spots in your lineup with guys doing the same thing. McNeil's a guy who's not going to hit a lot of home runs, so they're losing power there. Mark Tanner's a guy who's not going to hit a ton of power. He's a guy who's going to be offensively similar to Brandon Nimmo. So if you throw Nimmo in there, now you got three of those guys. Not to mention the catching spot, that's four. You throw Guillaume slash Escobar. You know, again, Escobar, I know, has had a good track record, but we're going based on last year. You know, you start adding up the spots. That's why they don't have enough power. So if you're going to have a team, to me, with McNeil and Canna, and Canna may be a fourth outfielder, but he may play regularly. Who knows? If you're going to do that, I don't think I don't think you need a team with, or an outfield specifically, with both Brandon Nimmo and Mark Canna. Need a power bat in there which I think the Mets would use that money to go out there and get one if Brandon Emma walks. Anyway, you're freaking out. You're referencing Zach Wheeler. Like, that was prior ownership. That doesn't count. They'll be fine. Even if DeGrom walks, guess what? They're going to sign somebody else, whether it's Verlander, whether it's Kodai Senga from Japan, and they may get him anyway, whether it's Carlos Rodon. They will spend. They will get big players in here. If one goes, a new one will come. That's why you should be excited. And eventually, they'll get around to locking up McNeil and Alonzo. Jimmy is calling from Jersey City. What's up, Jimmy? You ain't going to hang up on me tonight, are you, sir? I, I hope you don't go down the same road, because if you do, I am going to hang up on you. Let's move on I, to a different I, I, topic. I, I, I notice you hang up on me when I'm always uh, either right up or, or you're wrong. You like to hang up. Jimmy, you're pushing it again. Number one, I did not hang up on you last night. Your phone disconnected. I swear to you, I, I did not... Hang up on you. So I, I don't know what happened, but don't go well, down anyway, the road. Okay. Don't go down the road again because you've done this several times here. You're pushing it. Don't go down the road of your right, I'm wrong stuff. You want to talk about the sports? Get to it. No, I'm calling you because I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you man to man. I mean, when I hang up last night, you call me, as you say, asinine. That's the most idiotic. Let me ask you something. Why, why would you say asinine? I, I asked you a question if Tua would have played because. Uh, the whole season, they'd be undefeated. What, what, you said I'm asinine saying that? No, I said that was an asinine statement. Yes. <laughs> All right, so now I'm going to give you an asinine thing. What you said. Jimmy, 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 here's the thing. I'm not doing it. Goodbye, Fleegs. You got I'll talk to Jimmy off the air because he seems to not comprehend what I'm saying here. This is – I. how many times do I give this guy the same opportunity? I, Jimmy, I am out of the kindness of my heart. Because I genuinely thought you were a good guy when I met you. I'm giving you an opportunity every morning to get back on track. And every morning you keep doing the same thing. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I will talk to you off the air if you'd like to. When you call, if you call tomorrow, take the time to call. I will talk to you off the air tomorrow. What I said yesterday was you saying that if Tua was healthy, the Dolphins would be 10-0 is asinine. I believe that's what it was. I don't even remember, honestly. Whatever it was, you made an asinine statement, and I called it out for what it was. Anyway, we move on. This is not you versus me. Don't you understand that? It's not you versus me. Call you to talk about sports, please. I'm begging you. It's like my cousin Vinny. 
I think I get the point. I don't think you do. Jimmy's now in contempt of court. Want to go for two counts of contempt? Either the next words out of your mouth are something about sports or we're not going to do this. I I can't do it. Doug is calling from Long Island. Doug? Yeah, you're the best. (laughs) I mean, I I just Um, don't get it. Where have you been, by the way? Good to hear from you. Dude, I'm working mornings. It's tough, but you got my... You know, my boy, Basketball Jones, on tonight. I got to hop in. How good was he? Oh, listen, you know, we do the basketball space for the Knicks after each game. And I'll tell you right now, I give Craig credit. The kid is, I got to give him credit. I mean, he he did a great job. The kid's respectful. He's knowledgeable. He's just a good kid. And you know what? Me, my whole life growing up, loving sports, dreaming of, you know, someday being on a fan, but always listening to it, I I got mad respect for the kid. He's he's good. Agreed. And I love having him on. I had him on. I took a liking to him. I met him here, well, I think it was last year when I was doing the the middays. I must have met him in person. And I know he started following me on Twitter, and then we kind of talked a little bit. And, you know, he's known as Basketball Jones, so I'm thinking, okay, well, you want to be on the air? I'll give you an opportunity on the overnights if you're willing to do it. And he was, and he's good. And I think he's gotten significantly better as well having that conversation with him today. So he's great, and you're right, he is a good kid. Easy to like. So good for Sonny. And, look, I'd put his basketball knowledge up against anybody's basketball knowledge. Yeah, you know. Matter, yeah, matter of fact, he's too like, good to be on at 3 a.m. What's he doing talking to me? He should be on, he should be on a, a daytime show. Dad should be yeah, on right? at 3 a.m. He, he should be on at 2 p.m. <laughs> you, you, you know me, I, I get a little too emotional. Um, but, I, I, like, you know, I, I'm all about talking sports because the more people you talk to, the more opinions you hear. If, you know, if you're a respectful person, the more opinions you hear, like, you 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 can have a like you you know you can learn more and the kid has brought so much to like our you know we do the Mets spaces and now the Knicks spaces he jumped in with us and he brings a lot and so for that for that yeah, you, you guys know, in I, these I you guys in these Twitter spaces I mean my goodness oh yeah. no, listen to me Twitter spaces are great oh like, no listen, no Nick, I want less Twitter space now, in my life Nick Nick's Twitter is toxic. Twitter spaces is great. Um, I'm glad somebody at least enjoys it, and I know you have some fun with it, and I did that one with you with the Mets or whatever, so I guess it could be good, but yeah. So, I know Jimmy's not going to like me, but as you were talking to Jimmy, I was tweeting out, the next word your mouth better be guilty yeah. or not guilty. And you actually said it. <laughs> that's well, that's what it felt like. We were on the same page. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what I felt like. He's just not getting it. I have no issue with Jimmy. I'll talk to him off the air because I just can't keep doing this. Yeah. I'm not going to ban him from the show. I like Jimmy, but I, I mean, I just, it just doesn't get it. Get to the sports. Like I don't want, it's not me versus him. I don't know why he thinks that. And, and Jimmy, don't come back at me. This has nothing to do with you or me. Uh, it was just a call, and the cousin Vinny referenced. Um, the funny, right, the the, me, the funny line in the movie, of right. course. Great movie. All right, so uh, I'm going to get to two things. One, I'm going to get to the next. You know I'm not a Randall guy. And last year, I killed him. I destroyed him. And 
what you know, I gotta give the guy credit. I mean, we could talk about the contract, we could talk about the money, but when you're buried in New York, this is a tough place to come back from. And the guy, the guy pretty much single handedly kept him in a game right I, I I don't care if Jokic was out or Porter or whatever. The second back to back, you're a mid team on the road and, and they won tonight because of Randall. And when Julius Randall is making defensive plays and diving on the floor, I mean I gotta give him his credit. That was so, the Julius Randall that I I know you never did, but that I fell in love with two years ago. Plays no, with I passion. Did. Plays hard. I know. I remember you saying that you never loved Randall, but I mean, he was. No, no, no. I, I did, Sal. You, you listen. The Knicks sucked for twenty years. Right, I right. can't get mad at what he did. Whether it's COVID, whether it's no fans, when when your team does nothing for twenty years, you respect. Other than you know the couple of mellow seasons, you respect when that happens. And the way he did it, too. He carried the team. He was an all-star. They played with max effort every single night. He brought passion. Uh, Look, I love Julius Randle's He, It's nice to see Randle back this year with the the way that he's approaching things. His attitude is significantly better than what it was a year ago. Last year, for whatever was going on, he had an off year. But he's just an inconsistent performer. That's the bigger problem. All right. So two things I got to get out. One, I I can't lose two games to this Belichick team. I get he's the greatest coach ever. This is a must win. Better than this. Must win for you. you. Listen, I told Fleet, I'll tell you, I told every friend of mine who's a Jet fan, this is not me being harsh. This is not being a Jet hater. I can't take my team serious if they lose again to this Patriot team. This is not a good Patriot team. This is the worst team in the division. Will you be betting the Jets? Oh, plus the three. If it, I, I got it three and a half already. So. All right. Um, I may join you. Why, why the hell not? Let's have some three. fun. Yeah. Um, the other thing, you know, Steve Cohen came here, and we we can argue numbers. We can argue whatever we want. I was told, Money was never going to be an issue with us re-signing our guys. I need the Mets to sign Jacob DeGrom. I lived through the Tom Seaver thing, albeit I was 12 years old. I cried for days. I, You know, when you're 12 years old, Sal, you think you're going to grow up, you're going to pitch for the Mets. When Tom Seaver was traded, that destroyed my inside. Steve Cohen is here. He's recognized the history of this team. This team has never had a guy start and finish their career as a Met. And I believe Jacob DeGrom, with a couple of good years, will be in the Hall of Fame. This team needs to sign Jacob DeGrom. And the other thing is... Yeah, but the problem, the, the problem, Doug, and I have to let you go. I'm sorry. Fleeg's telling me I got a break, so you can blame him next time you talk to him. Give me a call tomorrow. Always great to hear from you. The problem with you saying the Mets have to sign DeGrom is it works two ways. It takes two to tango. And DeGrom may not want to be here. That's the issue. We're going to find out. But the Mets are willing to give him a substantial offer. They want him back. They may have to go to the fourth year. Maybe they don't want to do that. I'm not sure yet. We'll find out. But maybe Jake doesn't want it here. And in that case, there's nothing you could do about it. But it will hurt. Even if they get Verlander, even if they get Rodon, it will hurt losing a homegrown, all-time great Met 
like Jacob DeGrom. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.